0: Hello, and welcome to the Journal on Middle Eastern Politics and Policy podcast. My name is Nicholas Norberg, and I'm here today with Fritjof Falk to discuss the recent political developments in the Middle East and North Africa. We're going to start today with Iran. A couple of weeks ago, we had some interesting news about the reported resignation of uh, Foreign Minister Javad Zarif, and Fritjof is here to give us a little bit more detail about this story. Fritjof, can you break this down for us?
1: So on February 25th, the Iranian foreign minister, Javad Sarif, announced his resignation via Instagram. And so following this, many Iranians were outraged and 150 of the 290 members of the Iranian parliament urged President Rouhani to refuse Sarif's resignation. And President Rouhani did just this. Uh, He refused to accept Sarif's uh, resignation and Sarif remains the foreign minister of Iran.
0: What exactly was it that precipitated the resignation itself?
1: So this halted resignation uh, seems to be linked to uh, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's uh, state visit to Iran. That happened the same day that uh, Sarif resigned. So during this visit, which was the first since the start of the Syrian uh, civil war, high ranking Iranian officials held a meeting with President Bashar al-Assad in, in Tehran, but what seems to be unique in this setting was that the supreme leader of Iran, Khamenei, and the leader of the uh, Quds Force, Qasem Soleimani, were the ones who invited Assad uh, for this state visit and did not even tell the civilian part of the government, which is led by uh, Rouhani, until the meeting was going on and President Rouhani was called up to come join the meeting, while Foreign Minister Zarif was not told of the meeting at all.
0: So you'd say Zarif felt snubbed by this?
1: Yes, that's what it seems like. And of course, this can be read into the factional politics of Iran. The One of the participants in this meeting, Qasem Soleimani, is the head of the Revolutionary Quds Force, which is nominally under the direct control of Supreme Leader Khamenei. And this Quds Force is an unconventional military force, which carries out uh, its own foreign policy and its own foreign operations. So This is often in direct contradiction to Prime Minister Zarif's own foreign policy and the foreign policy maneuvers of the Quds Force and the larger IRGC, which the Quds Force is part of, are often in direct contradiction with the uh, priorities of the civilian foreign policy led by Foreign Minister Zarif. And so the Quds Force and the diplomatic corps often clash on very fundamental
0: issues on foreign policy. And so this is sometimes being read as a, as signaling a, a a split in Iranian domestic politics between the hardline and the more liberalizing segment of Iranian politics. Is that, you know, kind of accurate or is that too reductive? It's, it's accurate on a, on a high level, sure. On a superficial level. <laughs> yeah, on a superficial
1: level. It's, it's, <laughs> it's accurate on a superficial level. And we're not going to get into all the nuances of that, because then we're going to be here all day. But there is still yeah a strong current in Iranian politics, which is currently being actively undermined by the Supreme Leader, which wants to cut all ties with the international community and exit the Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA. And currently there is amongst the Iranian people a majority for staying in the uh, nuclear deal. But this might change if Supreme Leader Khamenei would allow for more um, political space for candidates who
0: directly oppose uh, interacting in such a way with the international community. So do you kind of read this as potentially in addition to signaling how frustrated Zarif is, you know, with uh, being snubbed? You know, at this meeting with Assad, is this, do you think, also a way for him to try and rally support for his own camp and to kind of demand that the Supreme Leader re-up his recognition of Zarif's, you know, credentials and his performance?
1: Yes, I think this is a move that actually has worked on many levels. So in a very direct political sense, um, Zarif has been very uh, frustrated that Iran has yet to announce if it will abide by anti terror funding measures so abiding by this regulation is a prerequisite for iran doing business on the international financial markets but this decision has for long been stuck in the very powerful expediency council and zarif would very much like to see this measure passed and enacted into uh, law if such a anti-terror financing bill would be passed this would directly undermine The space for foreign policy maneuvers for the revolutionary Quds Force. And so this is for sure a move, a political move in that sense. Uh, But it's also signaling to the Europeans that uh, the Europeans must take drastic action, more drastic action than it currently is, uh, encountering the effect of U.S. sanctions and uh, thereby propping up the positions of the moderates in Iran. Uh, You you could actually see this in, in the reaction by a lot of European politicians that they were basically starting to freak out and, and seeing the failure of the whole JCPOA. And I, I suspect that this is what Sarif expected. I, I might even go so far as to assume that Rouhani knew of his resignation and that this was a, a coordinated move by the two of them, which of course we can't know. But it's also of course a signaling to the, Iranian, to the Iranian establishment and all Iranians in general of the importance of Sarif and his own person, because he truly is the only one with such an established relationship with Western diplomats. And there really is no one in Iran currently who could take his place, who has his skill set and his charisma. And so we also saw this very strong reaction from moderates in the Iranian parliament. And we shouldn't call it liberal media, but the more (laughs) moderate media in in Iran, they rallied to his defense right away. And when this um, resignation effort was stopped, they quickly moved to make fun of all the more hardliner uh, forces in Iranian politics who had cheered Sarif's uh, resignation by comparing them to uh, Mike Pompeo and uh, pr- uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel, saying that these are all extreme forces in the same camp against Iran. So I, I think that Sarif has come out of this strengthened and the position of the yeah, so-called mo-
0: moderates in Iran has been strengthened. Interesting, that's great. So uh, for now, Zarif remains the foreign minister in uh, iran and we'll see if there are any movement on that story in the coming weeks keep watching his instagram we're gonna pivot now to uh, algeria over the past couple of weeks there have been some pretty substantial protests in algeria and they've been growing steadily these protests were largely in response to the announcement that president Bouteflika, who is 82 years old and who has severe health difficulties he's not been seen in public for years is uh, running for a fifth term as the president of Algeria. There's been a lot of speculation for months that he would make uh, an announcement to this effect. Over the summer, there was a high-profile purge of high-ranking military officers in Algeria, which was largely thought to be kind of this precursor to Bouteflika's announcement that, you know, the the group of officers that support Bouteflika in his position was basically attempting to make sure that all of the folks who held the highest posts were all going to be loyal to the regime and were going to fall in line with the plan to run Butaflika for a fifth term. The popular protests erupted after the official announcement that Butaflika intended to seek a fifth term and he's since walked back the statement slightly. He has promised uh, in the last week that he, if elected, he will only serve for a single year uh, rather than a full term and will call new elections after a year. Protesters have been unsatisfied and have continued protesting through this week. The protests have grown from just a few thousand to hundreds of thousands. So is this mostly about Bouteflika
1: himself or is it a larger systemic thing they're protesting?
0: This is definitely a larger systemic issue that uh, Algerians are protesting. I mean, Bouteflika has kind of been tolerated through so many terms in office, partially because the military has propped him up and uh, dissent has been repressed pretty harshly, particularly in the last couple of years. He was originally brought to power in Algeria because he was kind of viewed as a compromise candidate to get the country out of deadlock. And uh, no other leader has really emerged who seems capable of uh, uniting the disparate factions of Algerian politics. That's partially because the government hasn't really allowed any other credible figure to emerge, but uh, it's also because Bouteflika is kind of viewed by the Algerian government as necessary for preserving stability, Algeria has con- has continued this year to pass uh, very ho- high profile oil deals. It's signed several deals to open uh, oil facilities in Algeria in excess of a billion dollars over the past year. and uh, y- you know preserving the stability in order to prop up the oil economy, which is the largest by far the largest segment of Algeria's economy. Uh, has kind of been the number one priority for the governing elite. That's a bit of a disconnect from the population overall. That argument of for preserving stability kind of held for a time, especially with the repressive tactics that the government used to kind of stifle dissent. But with this most recent announcement of the fifth term, particularly given Bouteflika's poor health, Algerians are really starting to lose patience uh, with this argument on an unprecedented scale. And so what has the response from... Uh, official Algeria been to these uh, protests? The Algerian government has actually been fairly restrained towards these protests. The protests have also been extremely peaceful uh, over the past couple of weeks. I mean, the, the scale is really impressive. There's been you know, a huge number of people turning out, but there hasn't really been a whole lot of violence. Most of the information on these protests is coming from social media because there's been a media blackout on covering the protests, uh, and journalists uh, have not been allowed into the country. However, it does seem that, by and large, the government is kind of allowing these protests to continue, which is commendable. I mean, they absolutely should be, you know, allowing Algerian citizens to express their points of view. Because officially protests is illegal. Exactly. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of surprising that the government would show so much restraint. But I think it's also kind of a sign of just how widespread this movement is in Algeria and that it's not something that's going to be tamped down by the use of force. Uh, So it's good that the government recognizes that and is not attempting to forcefully stifle these protests. It is still kind of unclear whether or not this will actually result in any meaningful change uh, in Algeria. You know, I mean, it's despite the fact that the government has been allowing people to protest, it's not clear that the government is showing any signs of giving in to the protesters' demands, and it's not clear who exactly would emerge to take Bouteflika's place if they did. It's certainly not clear that competitive elections would be held. I mean, it's, that's a completely open question at this point, and it does still seem fairly unlikely that these protests would result in truly competitive elections.
1: And so, Nick, France is seen as having an outsized impact on Algeria. To say the least. Do you know anything about what
0: the response has been from Macron and the French side? Specifically from uh, Macron, he's been a little—he's been fairly reserved on this. The French government generally has been fairly reserved on this issue of the protests recently, and has kind of appeared reluctant to take a hard stance. the The, the French government has mainly been calling for the protests to remain peaceful and has been advocating for continuing stability in Algeria. Uh, Algeria is hugely important for French diplomatic interests and economic interests in North Africa. French businesses have a lot of heavy involvement in Algeria, particularly in the oil sector. But uh, Algeria is also a major law enforcement partner for uh, for France and is a really major ally in, you know, France's uh, military and law enforcement operations in North Africa. Uh, France is really keeping a close eye on these protests. But it is kind of telling that France has been reluctant to step too forcefully into this issue. And I think also a positive thing. Uh, I mean, at this point, it seems that if France, you know, kind of comes out too forcefully in one direction or another, that it would generate a lot of backlash within Algeria. This is very much an Algerian affair. All right, that uh, wraps it up for this edition of the Journal on Middle Eastern Politics and Policy podcast. Uh, We will be sure to keep an eye on the news for you folks, and uh, we'll be back in your feed soon. Thanks very much for tuning in.